This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. The following is a sponsored program. Zoomer Radio and MZ Media Incorporated do not endorse any of the statements or opinions made by the contributors. An opportunity to turn back into your heart where you start to quiet the noise around you and the voices and the distractions, the influences, and you feel what really resonates with you. And in your yoga practice, even at the beginning of, let's say, a physical practice or in a meditation, you can connect back to an intention when you start to feel a little bit of peace, a little bit of quiet in the mind. Welcome to The Tonic. I'm your host, Jamie Bussin, and we're here to talk about your health and wellness. Today, we'll hear about the three greatest risks to heart health. We'll discuss milk versus non-dairy alternatives. We'll explore mindfulness and technology. And lastly, we'll learn how yoga can help you attain your goals. But first, a little bit of business. Do you worry about your cardiac health? Need to reduce your harmful cholesterol? New Roots Herbal offers natural supplement formulations to help reduce elevated blood lipid levels, help keep your cholesterol in check, and support cardiovascular well-being. Discover organic cardiac heart tincture, cholesterol, and slow-release CoQ10. Natural ingredients and guaranteed potency for healthier days and a brighter future. Let's make life better. Find these and other New Roots Herbal products exclusively at quality health food stores. To ensure these products are right for you, always read and follow the label. And for more information, visit NewRootsHerbal.com. My next guest, naturopathic doctor, Philip Rochadis, graduated from the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine in 2004. Proceeded by an honors undergraduate degree and a master's of science degree, both in nutritional sciences from the University of Guelph. Philip practices at the Bolton Naturopathic Clinic in Bolton, Ontario, with his wife, Dr. Heidi Fritz. Philip's areas of clinical focus include mental health, autoimmune disease, and metabolic syndrome. He also serves as an associate professor of the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine, responsible for delivery of the second-year curriculum in clinical nutrition. Welcome back to the show. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. It's very much a treat to be back. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so this month is Heart and Stroke Awareness Month. So this dialogue, this back and forth today is extremely timely, right? Absolutely. So this is also an area that's near and dear to you, right? This is something that you studied in school and this is part of your practice, right? It's a big part of our practice. It's the It remains the number one killer of men and women in North America and it deserves as much attention as we can give it. It's interesting for me because I have a family history. My father had diabetes. I have risk of heart attack on both sides of my family. And fortunately, my blood pressure is good, but I also have to watch my cholesterol. And these are all factors that we're talking about today with respect to heart disease, right? We throw around the term metabolic syndrome, and it literally means the constellation of the big three risk factors. And the big three risk factors are diabetes, cholesterol, and blood pressure. So they do cluster together. We have a fancy word for that called a comorbidity, and it's very common for these major cardiovascular risk factors to cluster themselves together, to be present all at once. There's hereditary elements to this, but it's also a lifestyle uh, situation as well, right? People can develop diabetes from their diet and lack of exercise, and and certainly, you know, all these impact on blood pressure, et cetera, et cetera, right? When we had the privilege of talking about mental health, diet and lifestyle can be a factor, but a lot of supplements are what we turn to for help in that area. Right. When we're talking about metabolic syndrome and diabetes, cholesterol, blood pressure... 
85, 90% of this battle truly is diet and lifestyle. It's how we are living that are inducing these metabolic abnormalities. For me, I used to be a commercial litigator and a lot of listeners know this story, but uh, when I was in my late 30s, I weighed 242 pounds and I was not active. It took me a year, but I lost 52 pounds and I changed my life and I thought if a type A personality like me could do it, really anybody could. So my message is that what we're talking about today is crucially important and everybody is capable of making that change. I'd say, first of all, congratulations on Thanks. what is a very safe and appropriate strategy of weight loss. Far too many people don't take such an appropriate strategy. Losing 50 pounds over the course of a year is very appropriate and that's a very proper way to go about things. And that we are in an epidemic of obesity. Yeah. 70% of adults in North America are overweight or obese, and it absolutely is killing us. Let's talk about these factors and what are the factors that increase the likelihood of having these factors? The big factor is waist circumference. Right. There's a thousand different ways to assess adiposity or how much you weigh, etc. In a really eloquent study comparing MRI to all other methods concluded the best method for determining adiposity is simple waist circumference. It's a tape measure around your belly button and your love handles, the widest part of your waist, because that is relating to, if I may differentiate, two different types of fat we have. One is under our skin, which is subcutaneous. We might not like how that looks, but that's not really health detrimental. Yes. The one that's detrimenting our health is the fat that surrounds our organs, and we call that visceral fat. That is very hormonally active. It drives systemic inflammation in our body. And weight loss very directly corrects that. Yes. And there is a hereditary element to that. There are people who are more inclined to carry their weight around their waist and they have higher indications of the big three, which lead to heart disease. And that, unfortunately, is where I find myself. And that's why I really had to make those changes because I was carrying my weight around the middle more than anything else. And it was indicative of uh, real potential health risk. It's absolutely true. So let's talk about how these factors impact the body. And, and, you know, this isn't an instantaneous thing, right? Like it takes time to get to the point where you're, you're at risk. These occur over time and I hope we get to differentiate them, but forest for the trees, one appropriate weight loss and exercise is going to very powerfully influence all three. Yes. So that's right across the board. Overweight obesity contributes to all three of these and addressing physical inactivity and an elevated waist circumference very directly begins to correct all three of these metabolic abnormalities. And I would add this, you know, it took me a year to lose the 52 pounds, but it took me a hell of a lot longer to get to the point where I needed to lose 52 pounds. And there's lots of reasons why. I mean, I was an emotional eater. I was a commercial litigator, which meant I spent a lot of time behind the desk and I wasn't active. I had young kids, which meant I didn't have necessarily time to exercise. But at the end of the day, all those were just excuses. And And really, you know, if your health is important to you, you're going to have to deal with it. The one thing I try to stress here is when we talk about exercise, everyone has this, I think, misconception about what we mean. We're not trying to turn people into Arnold Schwarzenegger. No. We're talking about potentially a 20-minute walk per day. Right. That is a life-changing amount of physical activity, a 20-minute walk per day. I tell people, leave your front door, walk for 10 minutes, turn around, walk home. That makes massive difference, and it's, it's... 
If you put your mind to it, it's not as hard to commit to as you may think. I get sent studies virtually every day just because of who I am and where I am in health and wellness. People sending me reports and studies that I might want to put on the show or put in the magazine. And I just got one this morning saying how important it is, particularly when you are aging, if you can't get the type of exercise that is weight resistant and still just doing the 10,000 steps is going to majorly impact your health. I think that is absolutely life-changing and I think few people have any actual need to go beyond that. That difference between zero and something is 90% of the battle. The something to elite actually affords very little further health benefit. So if I wanted to impact the health risks, what should I do and, and what should my expectations reasonably be about how long it's going to take to actually make the material changes necessary? It's actually quite remarkable and that's why I love working in this area because you don't have to wait months and years. The changes occur absurdly quickly. Well, that's good news. When you're talking about diabetes now, I mean, you do something for a day, right. you'll see this wonderful change. If you go back to your old habits, no, too bad. It's going right. to be reversed, right? Yeah. But how long does it take to impact blood sugar? Less than 12 hours. If you positively change your diet today, you will wake up tomorrow morning with a radically different blood sugar reading. <laughs> and as long as you continue to do those positive diet and lifestyle changes, you'll never see the old readings. It will correct that quickly. Cholesterol takes two to three weeks. That's it. You make appropriate diet and lifestyle changes, recheck a cholesterol panel two, three weeks later, you will see radical change. The problem is, can you sustain that? Right. I really don't care what your cholesterol is three weeks later. What is it a year from now? Right. That's what you need to be worried about with these things. But the change does occur very rapidly. Blood pressure takes a little longer. You're going to see slow, progressive improvement in blood pressure that'll maximize by about four, five, six weeks. Do you want to discuss the types of things that people can do to actually affect the change that we're talking about? The exercise and weight loss, if appropriate, are absolutely key. Number two, we touched on it with mental health, the Mediterranean diet pattern specific to blood pressure was something called the DASH diet. If you increase vegetables, increase fruit, add olive oil, and add nuts, you crush blood pressure, you radically improve glucose control, yeah. and you lower bad cholesterol very powerfully. Olive oil and nuts do all three of these to the level of a prescription drug. No, no exaggeration. Two tablespoons of unheated olive oil per day powerfully lowers bad cholesterol, improves glucose control, and lowers blood pressure. And nuts, specifically discussing almonds, walnuts, and pistachios, raw, unsalted, unroasted, powerfully lower all three risk factors. Yeah, and I have I have ones, and you know, you 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 can chime in and tell me if I'm offbeat. But what really helped me lose the weight and deal with cholesterol levels and blood pressure was I had oatmeal for breakfast every single morning during the entire time that I lost the weight. And to date, I still have oatmeal at least five times a week. And and I'm talking about not instant oatmeal, but oats that you have to cook slowly and you mix it with fruit and it keeps you full for the morning and it gets you um, fiber and it helps with your cholesterol. It really does. My perspective there may be a hair different. Was okay. that a good way to start the morning? Of course it was. But by making it oatmeal every day, what wasn't it? 
by making that positive life child yeah. change, you weren't having a muffin for breakfast. Well, I wasn't having the bagel, right? right? Like I, I used to have a bagel for breakfast and it would be nothing. But now when I look at a bagel, I can't eat a whole bagel. I have to eat a whole, half a bagel because it just, it seems like too much to me, right? I it, could it, describe three, four, five breakfasts that are all real appropriate yeah. that will get there. Yeah. Oatmeal's definitely on the list. Poached eggs. But when you and, make the yeah. right decision, yeah. you're now not making the wrong decision. And that's a really big factor when talking about weight loss and healthy diet. Okay, let's let's talk about some more specific strategies to each of the factors that we're talking about. Okay. Let's start with diabetes. What would you recommend in terms of specific strategies? We keep stressing it. The diet and lifestyle are absolutely key here. The olive oil and the nuts are absolutely key. If you're going to enter the supplement realm, I'm going to say this is an area where our industry is frankly outdated. Oh. And a lot of the available natural health products for glucose control, in my opinion, frankly, are inappropriate. And the recent evidence highlights three really powerful substances that can help with glucose control. And what are they? Um, number one is inositol. Okay. Very cost-effective, offered as a powder, a scoop a day is the dose, has so many other wide-ranging benefits. I'd love to do three episodes just on inositol with you. What is it? It is related to the B family of vitamins, gets into cell membranes, it even has an important role in mental health, but specifically, very powerfully, it improves glucose control. Number two is cinnamon. That's pretty known. That's been around a long time. Yep. Very good data that cinnamon improves blood sugar. And number three will shock people. You will have heard of it for other things, but it has great evidence for glucose control, and that's curcumin mm -hmm. or turmeric, really helpful for glucose control. So supplements-wise, if you were to think about one for diabetes, those would be the big three. I'll backtrack and say, if you're worried about diabetes, cholesterol, blood pressure, one supplement we should be talking about for all of them is fish oil. Fish oil clearly powerfully reduces cardiovascular risk and likelihood of sudden fatal heart attack. It can reduce risk of non-fatal major coronary events. Across the board, if you're worried about cardiovascular risk, probably supplement number one would be fish oil. Let's move to cholesterol now. What would you recommend there? So I got some neat uh, asides to say about this one. Seemingly, people don't know about it. I've been teaching about it for 16 years. Non-paper filtered coffee... So cappuccino, espresso, French press, if the paper, if the coffee does not go through a paper filter, it aggressively increases bad cholesterol. Yeah, I, and that's a shocking one to me. Can you explain the science behind I'm that? I'm sorry to all the people that own the very expensive machines yeah, and all we, of that. Yeah, we, we got one last year. I'm, we're now worried. <laughs> there's there's two <laughs> molecules in coffee beans, caffeol and cholesterol. They act directly on the liver to powerfully increase bad cholesterol. If you paper filter the coffee, you remove these fats. So paper filtered coffee will not impact. I want to take this a step further. Okay. So you drink an espresso a Day. Bad cholesterol is elevated. If I give you the prescription, the prescription is going to lower bad cholesterol, LDL cholesterol, about 30%. If you're drinking an espresso a day and you do nothing other than switch to paper filtered coffee rather than espresso, that will lower your LDL cholesterol about 25%. Of the cholesterol that you're ingesting, right? Because the body produces LDL itself. No, it's the coffee driving further liver synthesis. The oh, non-paper filtered coffee is forcing your liver to make more bad cholesterol. And 
and for those who listen to the show, you'll know that the body is responsible for more cholesterol production than whatever it is you're taking in through your diet. Right. Eggs don't increase bad cholesterol. That's right. one of the most horrible myths ever pe- perpetuated. Okay. Do you have anything else to talk about with cholesterol? Avoid the non-paper filtered coffee. Supplements wise, fish oil does really good things to a cholesterol panel. There's another type of bad cholesterol called triglyceride. Fish oil crushes triglycerides. You're talking 50 plus percent reductions in triglyceride level with appropriate doses of fish oil. And the other really supplement that you would mention for cholesterol is plant sterols. They're, they've been around a long time. They're added to foods. You can get plant sterol fortified margarine, plant sterol fortified yep. mayo, salad dressing. They very effectively lower bad cholesterol. For the last part of the interview, let's talk about blood pressure. I love that we got here. The most important thing I'll say about blood pressure, and this could relate to so many aspects of life, meditation breathing. Yep. A device that teaches meditation breathing is an FDA-approved medical intervention for hypertension. Calming your breathing down, deep breathing, 10 minutes a day is an effective treatment for blood pressure. Um, Supplements-wise, there's one really important one we have to mention, that is coenzyme Q10. It's a really common one. People know about it. does really good things for your brain, does really good things for your heart, and very, very powerfully lowers blood pressure. And if we're getting that particular supplement, how much should we be taking? Is it is it a daily thing? Yeah, it's a daily thing. It is safe to combine with medications, 100 milligrams a day or 100 milligrams twice a day. That would be pretty standard dosing for coenzyme Q10. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's always a treat. Thanks for having me, and I hope to be back soon. We'll hear back from you next month. We've got to take a short break, but we'll be right back on The Tonic. You're a genuine health enthusiast listening to this show today. And Activation Products is your dream come true when it comes to living a very long, pain-free, energized life. Your body's craving heirloom nano and micronutrients that you'll use to elevate your whole body's health in ways you had no idea were possible. Activation makes all this possible no matter how old or young you are. The precious time, energy, and money you invest to be healthy is taken very seriously by Activation. It's their responsibility to deliver to you the most efficacious health products available in the world today. People consistently report back the most beautiful health results when they daily consume products from Activation. Treat yourself now and find out what it's like to live in a luxurious body, making every day a joy to be alive. Go to activationproducts.com and subscribe for the most important health information and products. Or call 1-866-271-7595. Jack Nathan Health offers Canadians convenient care with 74 multidisciplinary clinics located within Walmart stores. The largest ever Jack Nathan Health Medical Center is now open in Vaughan, Ontario at 8300 Highway 27. The new 8,300-square-foot clinic offers integrated services for the whole family, including family medicine, physiotherapy, and chiropractic, chronic pain management, massage, and a registered dietitian. There's also an on-site Dynacare blood laboratory, plus same-day referrals, walk-in appointments, and a new annual health assessment option. Jack Nathan Health is a one-stop shop for proactive health management. For more information, visit jacknathanhealth.com. You're listening to The Tonic on Sumer Radio. Shauna Lindzen is a dietitian and nutritionist. She's a program developer and nutrition leader at Wellspring Cancer Support Network and enjoys seeing clients virtually and doing corporate wellness lectures. 
She runs practical cooking demonstrations that combine scientific knowledge with culinary education. Her demonstrations are unique, informative, delicious, and a lot of fun. You can find a list of her nutrition classes and recipes at shaunalinzen.com. Welcome back to the show. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me, Jamie. I drink milk. I like milk. I'm friends with milk. I like cheese. I like yogurt. I like ice cream. I like all of that. But there's lots of people who can't digest it. And I have family members who couldn't. My dad was lactose intolerant, had no tolerance for it. And there are others who are making choices not to do it for ethical reasons as well. Exactly. So I guess you're a dairy guy. I'm a dairy guy. Yeah. I'm team dairy. You're team dairy. (laughs) So lots of people aren't, right? Yeah. Especially in this day and age. And it's okay. It's okay to be team dairy or non-team dairy. I'm not looking for your judgment. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not a judgmental person. That's perfect. So in terms of, which is actually, that's a timely thing to say, because if you decide either ethically or health-wise not to have dairy, what you have to do is you have to make sure you replace it with something else that gives you similar nutrients. And that's an issue. Like some people are making ethical decisions or lifestyle decisions, which, for example, vegans or live eaters, Mm -hmm. and they're not going to have dairy for whatever reason, but that doesn't mean they still don't need the nutrients that dairy would be otherwise providing them. Exactly. So the next question is, what does dairy provide us? And the funny thing is when you ask just anybody that, they would think, first of all, calcium. Of course. Like that's the first thing they would think of. But dairy also has fluid, right? Yep. So it's you're, you're drinking something. Protein, Protein. Yeah. Vitamins, minerals, so specifically vitamin A, D, E, K, the fat-soluble vitamins. And it also has B vitamins. And that's a particular one that we need to discuss because animal products give us B12. Mm-hmm. So if you cut out, let's say, all animal products and you're a vegan, you may not be getting enough B12. Now, that's also an issue as you get older, the way we absorb B12 diminishes. Like we can't absorb it as well. What's older? So uh, 50 and older pretty much. So I'm old. Yeah. So we're old, both of us. So I'm almost old. I'm 49. So in terms of B12, um, you definitely need to make sure that number one, if you're vegan, get your B12 level checked occasionally, once a year. And Add different things like nutritional yeast, for instance, into your diet to get that vitamin that you're missing if you're not eating animal products. What are some of the alternatives? If I was going to cut out dairy, what are my options? So there are actually a lot. And lately, there are more than ever. So I would say if you asked me that five years ago, the main alternatives were soy milk and almond milk. If you asked me what are the difference between soy milk, almond milk, and dairy milk, the main difference, I would say, would be in the protein. So cow's milk has pretty well the same amount of protein as soy milk, but something like almond milk doesn't. It has less? Way less. Almost none. So one or two grams, depending on what type of almond milk it is, whereas the um, per cup and the soy milk and cow's milk will give you as per cup as much protein as a medium egg. Okay, so sticking just with the liquids, do you want to talk about just the nutritional stuff or do you want to talk about the applications like cooking or, or, or the rest of it? I kind of like the nutritional stuff, okay. um, but we can touch on the applications. So when we talk about the applications in, let's say, making your own milk, let's actually touch on that first. So if you decide to make your own milk, what people normally do, and this is, I actually want to preamble this with 
if you make your own milk, it's actually called a beverage. It's not called a milk. And if you look on the internet, they will spell it differently. People will say M-Y-L-K, or they'll put it in little brackets, meaning this is not cow's milk per se. It's a beverage. So it's an interesting topic. And if you decide to make your own, what people do is they like to soak their almonds, and that will make them more, quote-unquote, bioavailable, which means that there is a substance in like a nut or a seed, which actually will inhibit the absorption of calcium per se. And that's called phytic acid, Mm -hmm. like phytates or oxalates. And if you soak them, it actually helps reduce that. Do you recommend to your clients that they make their own beverage? Because like Nuts are so expensive, okay. and, and to, to use them in the application to make milk just seems crazy to me if it's in the market. Agreed, but other people, like people who are kind of whole food, plant-based eaters, yeah. kind of feel the opposite way. They feel, why would I buy a very, <clears throat> excuse me, a very processed? Man- processed, manufactured product when I can make it myself? So there's two two issues there. The first issue is... Well, I can make pizza from scratch. It doesn't mean I want to go to the trouble every time. Yeah. You know, and, and I like to cook. I know. And it's funny because your your mind always goes to the cooking and my mind goes to the nutrition and cooking. We right. always bring it together. So if you decide to actually make it, it's not too hard, but it's not the same as the bought one. In what way? In a good way and a bad way. So for instance, the bought one has stabilizers added, sometimes carrageenan, which people right. don't really like, just to hold it together and bind it together and get the liquid and the solid to stay in kind of like a, a uniform, you know, right. pourable yeah. way instead of water separating. The other thing is with the bought milk, quote unquote milk beverage, they put the nutrients back into it. So they will mimic cow's milk. So they'll put B12, they'll put vitamin A, vitamin D, D all yeah, that stuff, yeah. which is a good thing. But we're not sure if that's absorbed the same way as cow's milk. So it's almost like you're taking a supplement. Isn't that interesting? So if you make your own milk, you're actually going to have a pretty liquid product that's not thick when you make the milk. So the consistency is different. The consistency will be different and you're not necessarily getting vitamin D, that type of thing. So you've already given me like three reasons why I wouldn't do it, right? (laughs) Yeah. So soy and almonds, but now there's like oat milk, right? That's the new hot one. I know. Oat milk is everywhere. Oat milk is everywhere. And And I love my oats. I love my oats. But I, it never occurred to me you could make quote unquote milk from but it. But want to know something, Jamie? It's watered down. Like, it's not like you're getting all the goodness and the fiber, let's say, of the oats. I know you have oats every morning because you're getting the fiber. So you're having, and you're going to laugh at me, a whole food. Yeah. I always say it, and I'm going to say it again. I'm not laughing. It's it's the reason I I do it. I say it every time I'm on air with you. Yeah. Whole food. So when you have the oat milk... It's manufactured. It's Lots of things are taken out, and it could be watered down. So what are the benefits? Why are people having oat milk? People are having it for, number one, let's say they're going to have a cereal. What are they going to put in it, right? So it's actually culinary-wise. You have something to put into a warm cereal. You have something to bake with. You have something to cook with. So that's a good application. And people also will do it for nutrition, right? Okay. So they but get, you're saying it's watered down, right? I yeah. Mean, 
Well, there you go, right? So okay. it's not the same as actually having the whole oat. Right. So that just um, drives the point home more. Are we missing any, or were those the ones you wanted to talk about in terms of the alternatives? No, there's also things like hemp seed milk, flaxseed milk. So yeah. they actually take the seed, soak the seed down, um, pulverize it. So the basic way to make it, if you want to, is to take a cup of the nutter seed and to take four cups of water. You can soak the seed first, vava vomit in a high protein Process, high-speed processor, and then flavor it the way you want. You can put blueberries in there. You can put dates in there. You can put cocoa powder in there. You can easily make it yourself. And to be honest with you, you're, if you strain it, you're still not getting the fiber. So it's different than eating. No, it's the different. It's the, it's the it's like having orange juice versus having a whole orange. Absolutely, and we're going to be talking about that on a segment. No pun intended. Segment of orange. Yeah, so. good one. Ooh, right? I love that. Woohoo! <laughs> All right. So the nutrients aren't equivalent in these beverages. No. And so, so, so what should we do? Like knowing that, are there things that we should be taking with it like that would make it equivalent? Or like what's your approach? So my approach is if you make the decision to avoid dairy, yeah. what you have to do is you have to specifically look at the nutrients and get them in a whole plant-based diet. And that's actually not difficult to do because you can get your protein through legumes, lentils, whole grains, that type of thing. You can get your B vitamins. The one that's most difficult, I would say, is vitamin D. So if you don't choose a milk alternative, I usually suggest to take a supplement. So bottom line, if you're not a milk drinker, you should have some alternatives via a whole food um, plant-based diet, or you can buy the milk alternatives. Just make sure they're fortified. I don't know if they're going to be absorbed the same way, but at least you're getting it in. And right? worst case scenario, you just supplement if, if, if you're not. That's the last route. I always say food first, whole food first, right. minimize process, then you go to supplement. Okay. So some people aren't having dairy because it causes them digestion issues. Do any of these beverages cause potential digestion problems? Some do, like the soy milk um, may because it's a, a bean. So yeah, some of it may. So what you want to do is start off slowly. Don't drink like a carton. Don't buy a... Don't chug it. Don't chug it like you would when you were like 10 years old with the chocolate milk. Um, (laughs) You can take a lactase enzyme. So I always say with beans in general, start slow, work yourself up. And yeah, just watch out for, do a food log. See if, you know, if it's bothering you, figure out that that's the case and try a different one. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, Jamie. Uh, Next month, uh, you're going to be back and we're going to talk about caloric intake through drinking. Mm -hmm. All right. Good topic. We've got to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss mindfulness and technology on The Tonic. I'd like to give a shout out to our new sponsor, Omega Alpha. This company is 100% Canadian owned. Their team consists of allopathic and naturopathic doctors, nutritionists, researchers, and other scientific professionals, all led by their CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Formulations are created on their 40,000-square-foot facility located in Toronto. Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit omegaalphainc.com. Be Well Health Clinic is downtown Toronto's most comprehensive psychological wellness clinic, consisting of psychiatrists, psychologists, psychotherapists, social workers, naturopathic doctors, acupuncturists, and many more practitioners all under the same roof. They take an integrative approach to your wellness, 
and they all work with you to achieve your goals. Located steps from Union Station, Be Well Health Clinic also does direct billing to most insurance providers. Whether your condition requires medication or talk therapy, they can help with it all. For more information, visit BeWellClinic.ca. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. My next guest is local yogi Tracy Sagrati. She has a post-secondary education in biology, molecular biology, nursing, acute care, public health education, and Swedish and Thai massage. She specializes in training yoga teachers, and she's the co-founder of Evolve Retreat, a phenomenal opportunity for women to celebrate and grow together in Costa Rica. And for more information, you can visit EvolveRetreat.org. And that's coming up soon, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, we're right in the thick of the planning. Really excited and uh, uh, really thrilled about all the people coming. So would, if I were to go to Costa Rica, although it is a, an event for women. I but know. If, I'm sorry. We're going to change that next time. It's going to be co-ed next time. Okay. So, so if, get if, ready. All right. If I were to go, yeah. what's the policy on cell phones and iPads and the rest of it? Are we allowed oh, to bring them or not? I love that you opened with that. Well, the policy is to use your technology mindfully uh, okay. because the reality is... Genius. Of course, that's right. the answer. <laughs> the reality is, I mean, we depend on our devices uh, often to, to connect with our children, uh, to stay connected with our family, and to run our businesses, right? Yes, 100%. So the key is to reap all the benefits and avoid all the pitfalls in an ideal world. All right, so how do we do that practically? What advice do you have? Okay, so I've got a, I've got a big chunk of advice for everybody listening. Uh, the first thing that I would say, if you want to get really uh, clear about using your technology mindfully, uh, is to really remove all devices uh, from your room at night, especially if you have kids or teens. And so I mean your phone, your smartphone, but I also mean your television as well. So you're dating yourself, right? <laughs> because because my kids couldn't care less about television. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they, have, have, they have laptops? They're streaming laptops. Yep. Oh, my God. I am dating myself. Okay, so lap screens. I'll just call it screens yep. so that I don't seem like an old fogey. Um, yeah, it's pe- a sad day when I have to lead the way there. You realize right? that? Right. I okay. know. I was okay. just thinking that. Okay. So no screens. That's good advice. Why? Yeah, so it, as soon as you have your screen in the room, it actually increases your cortisol levels. And your once your cortisol re- levels increase, it's going to make it harder for you to fall asleep. So that's just standard practice. And the other thing is even looking at a screen 60 minutes before bed is going to inhibit your ability to fall asleep. And we've got such issues with insomnia in our culture. So that's number one. Yep. The second one that I'm going to make, which is actually my fave, is to turn your notifications off unless they're absolutely necessary for your job. Right? And really, who has a job that really is another No, like I, I was like, oh, I don't even know if I should say that. But, you know, say you're doing some kind of job where you feel like they're necessary, limit to them within your work hours. And if you're an entrepreneur, you need to define your work hours. Yep. And the thing that's really interesting about notification is that it actually, every time you get a notification, it spikes your do- dopamine a little bit. Yeah, it's the casino effect. Exactly. Am it's I getting a- attention? Who's, who's liked my page? Exactly. Who has sent me a message? Who has sent me a picture? All those yeah. things, right? And even if you think you're a person that doesn't care, the way that your body reacts to it is the same way that it would react to, say, a slot machine. And because the rewards, and we're, we're saying rewards in quotation marks, because they're not predictable, right? Sometimes you feel good when you see the notification. Sometimes you don't. Um, they create this kind of addiction. 
Yep. Right? So that you're constantly hungry for them, that you're con- constantly looking for them. Right. And not all the attention you get is positive either, right? Like, if no. Pe- people are putting themselves out there, but you know, there's all kinds of trolls out there and people who have negative thoughts and who yeah. can remain anonymous and say horrible things that they would never say to you face to face. It's a bit exactly. of a minefield. Yeah. Well, well, the fact that we can remain anonymous, I think, has, has led to so much bullying, right? Yep. Because people can do it invisibly. And so that's exactly it. The feedback you get is isn't always positive, and so you might as well just shut it down. The third thing is to get really clear and specific about the key zones and times that are tech-free, right? So we talked about bed, right? But the second thing is the dinner table. Couldn't agree with you more. Most important. Right? And and there's something a little absurd or obscene about being with somebody, right? When you're across from somebody and they're on their phone, so you know that they're with you, with their body, but their presence is obviously out there, elsewhere. And it's, it's communicating, it's communicating whether they want it to or not, it's communicating to you that they don't want to be with you. And so it shuts down intimacy and it shuts down communication. But, you know, it isn't even necessarily about intimate relationships or family relationships. You know what? We didn't ban them at our poker game, but like it would take twice as long to play a hand because everybody was busy on their phone and not really paying attention to the game that was in front of them. The irony is that people are living lives remotely when they should be in the moment, right? They should be actually in their lives. Yeah, exactly. Right? Which is correlated with being happier, more stable, more calm, right? Correct. Yep, 100%. So just defining those zones, so it's nice for us to have this conversation and it's awesome that everybody's listening to us have the conversation, but none of this will actually work unless you sit down and go, okay, we're we're not going to have phones at the dinner. We're not going to look at our phones when we're out for dinner with friends. We're not going to have our tablets or whatever in our bedrooms. And also when you're working, right? And that kind of leads to my next uh, next point is one of the things I recommend that people do when they're working is use the Pomodoro method, which is just, you know, sitting down for 25-minute increments and being completely focused on what you're doing. So that means putting your tablet or your phone or whatever device that's distracting you in another room completely or turning everything off if if you're actually using your computer turning anything that might disrupt your focus and your attention turning it off for a period of 25 minutes every every time you kind of engage in deep work okay except you know that I I think no 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 no. and and I'm okay with that no no trust me it's not a but from from my perspective but I know Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that need to be connected for for their work right like which is which is a problem right you know I need to be connected I meant the computer the whole day. Yeah, I understand. So you know what? I'm at my computer doing research a ton of time. But for me, what that means is, say for 25 minutes, I'm doing research. You choose the topic that you have to research, right? Whether it's an article or whatever it is. And you focus solely on doing that rather than getting sucked into the trap of clicking and then clicking and then clicking into something else that has nothing to do with the research. Well, you know, what you're really saying in essence is you're, you're, we're we're walking back the whole notion of multitasking, which I, which I thought was BS in any event like like i i know <laughs> no no because only only because i'm not really capable of it i mean i can i can get a tremendous well, no one is no one is that's what the science says no one's actually capable of it i'm tremendously capable of getting a lot of work done in very short periods which is what yeah. you're really talking about it's like my family says like i can't like if i'm focused on something you could be talking right to me and i i will not hear you like i can yeah. be very focused but very just, few people are focused like that yeah yeah you know there's this great book i think his name is cal newport he wrote this book called Deep Work. Yep. And it's 
all, have you heard of this book? No, it's awesome. Oh, it's, it's fantastic. And it's all about this idea that when we engage in this deep work, that is, that's where brilliance and creativity and like novel ideas come from. Yep. From that ability to focus on one thing to the exclusion of all other things. And you know, all the great philosophical traditions say the same thing. And when we're distracted, when your mind is kind of ping-ponging all over the place, not only can we not think clearly, uh, but it promotes anxiety. It gives us, it gives our sympathetic nervous system a little bit of a, a jump, right? And we're not happy. We're not happy and we're not creative and we can't fulfill our potential from that place. What other practical tips do you have? The next one is to secure your phone when you drive and don't yep. touch it. You know, there's this idea, again, and this kind of goes back to what you were just saying about multitasking. We cannot multitask, right? And so, so many people think I'm a good driver. I can, you know, send a text or check on, a, again, a notification while I'm driving. And we actually can't. And especially a younger brain. So if you've got a, you know, a teenager or someone in their early 20s where the frontal lobe is, again, still kind of uh, maturing, then it's going to be even more difficult for them to transfer between between the two activities of looking at the phone or the notification and paying attention to the road. So just secure it when you drive. You know, you're not going to miss anything. That whole fear of missing out, I'm just like, oh, I remember the days when, well, I remember when I didn't even have a cell phone, right? You can function without it. You know, I think that the next piece is to really create conscious community with your friends and family. And what that means is having open discussions about the benefits of tech, because there are so many benefits, right? There are so many benefits. I mean, we have access to information in a way that is, that almost seems magical to me. There's convenience. Convenience. It's given us back so much time in many ways. Right. And so I think discussing the benefits are a great way to go about kind of creating like a conscious value system about it and then really identifying the risks and come up with a plan that allows you to connect when you're together, but also get the benefits out of using tech. And so, you know, figure out how to connect with people by playing games, you know, if it's with kids, do puzzles, if it's with your friends, exercise together, you know, eat together and and just see how um, creating that clear boundary, because it is a boundary, see how that helps you um, feel a little bit, a little less anxious about your use of technology. All right. We've talked about sort of limiting access. Like a lot Mm -hmm. of what you've discussed is like Mm -hmm. the appropriate time and the appropriate use, right? The boundaries of using technology. Technology. But how can we use technology sort of positively? So I think it's really about being purposeful, Jamie. So, you know, sitting down and asking yourself, okay, when I'm going to use my technology, what is my intention right now? So if I have to sit at my computer for the day for my work, what is my intention? Am I researching an article? What's the process that I need to go through and what's the end result that I'm looking for? So be clear about why you're using it. You know, know the questions that you need to ask. Again, set those regular boundaries around how how long you're at the computer. Um, And and that just means like taking a break and getting up and walking around, which is actually associated with increased productivity and creativity, okay? To really be purposeful with social media. So, I mean, the thing with social media is a lot of us are using it for our businesses, especially if we're entrepreneurial. Um, So it's necessary, right? So I think it's being purposeful with the messages that you're sending on social media. So being really clear about what you want to communicate to people about you. And at the same time, as soon as you notice that you're in a trance, that you're kind of scrolling through and you've lost yourself in time because you're in that trance, just turn it off. 
right? And, and, you know, keep going back to, okay, what's my intention for using this right now? And connect that back to your value system. And if you can keep going through that cycle, it'll allow you to get all the benefits out of the technology without, you know, sliding down that slippery slope of being addicted. Fantastic advice. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's always a pleasure, Jamie. So next month, you're going to tell us how we can save the world through mindfulness, right? That's right, baby. That's a big sell. All right. We've got to take a short break, but when we return, we'll learn how yoga can help you attain your goals on The Tonic. The Tonic is brought to you by Purely Natural. Their Liquid Greens Chlorophyll is the only line of soluble, grit-free, and great-tasting greens on the market. Liquid Greens can easily be mixed with your favorite drink to provide a sustained natural boost of energy to help you get through your day. There's unflavored, which is great with orange juice. The mint flavor is cool and refreshing. Dark chocolate has all the health benefits of a salad, but with a great chocolate taste. And for that extra detox boost, try activated charcoal and mint. Enjoy the energy. Enjoy the detox. Enjoy the great taste. Purely natural liquid greens. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. My next guest, Sari Nisker-Fox, is an entrepreneur, yoga and mindfulness teacher, holistic wellness and life coach, and co-creator of the Yoga Weekend Retreat. And she's also the founder of Indira Wellness, which curates experiential, physical, nutritional, and mindful programs for businesses to inspire a culture of living well in the workplace. And she can be reached at sarifox.com. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's so good to be here. You were in show number one. Do you remember that? Of course I remember. It was like a decade ago. No, it really wasn't. No, it was not. (laughs) It was was November 2017, but it's always great to see you back. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And we're still kind of early in the year, even though we're starting the month of February. But people are still trying to work through some of their goals for the new year. And you're here to tell them how yoga can help them with that, right? Absolutely. Yoga is just one opportunity to take a few opportunities within the practice to get really connected to goals and visions that you have for your life. So how do you think like yoga can help somebody if they were trying to achieve some goals and what sort of goals might that look like? Because I'm sure you see it in your practice. Really any goals. I mean, yoga in itself is an opportunity to pause, to go inward, feel what you really want, think about what you really want before you even do any movements, right? right? Just sitting down, finding your breath, quieting the mind. Yep. And, and it brings a certain peace of mind, right? Because you know I'm not a peaceful fellow. I know. But, but you've been working on it. But I, I try. I know. Uh, we're, we're getting there. <laughs> in, in this decade, I'll be there. Huh. But for a lot of people, it, it sort of brings a, a peace of mind, which might be helpful to sort of achieve the more strenuous goals that they're looking at, right? I mean, absolutely. It actually is an opportunity to for when you're practicing yoga to turn back into your heart, right? Where... You start to quiet the noise around you and the voices and the distractions and the influences and you feel what really resonates with you. And in your yoga practice, even at the beginning of, let's say, a physical practice or in a meditation, you can connect back to an intention when you start to feel a little bit of peace, a little bit of quiet in the mind. What do I really want for myself? Right. And start to, you know, take a moment to just even envision that, to feel that. Right. So so let's start. Mm-hmm. Like you, you wrote an article for us yes. uh, for the January, February issue of the magazine. And step one, as you put it, is clear vision. So what do you, what do you mean by that? And, and, and can you explain? Well, I mean, it's hard to know where we want to 
go, you know, if we don't know where that is yet. So having, you know, a visual in your mind of what that looks like, whether it's, you know, running a marathon or traveling somewhere. So taking a moment to really think about that and feel that and envision that. And, you know, this the saying goes like where your attention goes, energy flows, right? So it's like if you're in the market for a new car and let's say you're looking at a Volvo, all of a sudden you start to notice more Volvos on the street, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm looking at that car. I'm looking at that model. Otherwise before, maybe you wouldn't have noticed the Volvo. It's true. Yes. Also, when I'm trying to drop weight, it seems like every commercial is for food that I want to eat. But that, that, but that, <laughs> of that's course a, it is right but, now. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. But it's a separate issue. <laughs> Step two, you said feeling your future feelings, yes. which sounds very new agey. What, what did you mean by that? It's funny that you say new agey because there's, not a lot of, there's now a lot of science behind that yeah. where our brain does not really know the difference if what we're experiencing is actually happening or it's just in our minds. So, you know, if you were to take a moment in your practice to actually visualize you know, what your vision looks like, what you're starting to do is kind of generate the feelings in your body that you'll have when you manifest that, when that reality happens. Right. So you're not just thinking about your end result. You're thinking about how you would feel. How, how you would feel. If you got like to a, the end result. Totally. You know, I find myself doing that when I'm trying to avoid confrontation, mm. because for me, I have a temper. And when I let that sort of take over for me, I know where it's going to end up. Right. So, right. so now what I try and do is I think about, okay, so yes, there's the visceral response that I might want to give if somebody's irritating me. Right? right. But I also know how I feel if I go there, as opposed to how I feel if I don't sort of give in to that visceral response, right? And I think that's what you're talking about. Absolutely. Right? And either way, you're kind of, you're witnessing. You're witnessing your mind, whether it's, you know, something potentially positive or something potentially negative. Yeah. And then you automatically like there's the response of choosing a different action. Yeah. Right. So generating yeah. energy towards something that you want or you know, avoiding something. I mean, ultimately you want something better or a different result if you're potentially in conflict. Okay. So what's the next step? Well, the next step, once you have a clear vision and once you start to feel it, I mean, the next step would be, you know, when we are moving towards a goal or when we're going for something that we want, ultimately, you know, that we're going to hit some challenges along the way. So part of that is also within a practice and, you know, even in life, just expecting that there's going to be challenge, expecting that there's going to be some bumps in the road and being with the challenges. And challenge can look anything like obstacles, feeling, you know, fearful, whatever the challenge is for you and just being with it, right? Not expecting that it's going to be smooth sailing just because, you know, we want to run a marathon that we're going to do it. Like we're going to have those days where, you know, we don't feel like training or we had an off week or an off day or whatever, you know, life happens. A setback. A setback, exactly. Yeah, so, I guess I, you know, this is sort of the corollary too. like if, if you're actually going to go to the trouble of setting up a goal or, or a desire, if there weren't a challenge involved in getting there, you probably really haven't set much of a goal, right? You totally. Know, you know, like I could set the goal, I'm going to read the newspaper this morning. Okay, well, if you have the time to read the right. newspaper, you read the newspaper, you know, yeah, right. mission accomplished, but, right. but what have you really achieved, right? In, in terms of personal growth, right? Right, and you know, maybe, you know, reading the, the newspaper isn't so much of a goal, but maybe just incorporating it into a routine, but a goal, you know, is something that, you know, just puts us a little bit out of our comfort zone or maybe a lot out of our comfort zone that pushes us to, you know, think new thoughts, feel new things, 
in order to reach a place that we've never been, we have to start to think about and develop the skills that we need to actually live that. I think yoga presents sort of literal examples of that within the practice, right? I mean, there's certain poses which are uncomfortable, right? They're manifestly, like for me, like pigeon pose, right? Like it's tough. It's hard, right? And a lot of them are like that, right? Holding the poses. It's almost like physical manifestation of this sort of mental state that you're talking about, the discomfort, right? Absolutely. So, you know, if we utilize the practice, you know, as a metaphor. So when you're in a pigeon pose, so pausing, okay, I understand that when I am in this pose, it is challenging for me to stay there. What can I do to stay here? So you can breathe more, coach your mind. I understand this, become more present, anchor yourself in perhaps the teacher's voice or the music or something that challenges you to stay or maybe saying I'm going to stay for an extra five breaths. Right. So even these these little steps just helps us to anchor in that vision and moves us just even like a millimeter closer towards what we really want. In the article, you, you also speak about reflection. Absolutely. So I guess once we, we sort of attain, we're on the path to, to getting where we want to be, it's always helpful to sort of take a step back and see if we're going the right way or, or, or how we feel about it or whether that goal is still the goal that we wanted in the first place, right? Absolutely. Because, I mean, we all know that in the end, it's not necessarily about reaching the goal, but it's all about, you know, what we're learning about ourselves on the way sure. and the people that we meet and the connections that we make and, you know, all the adventures that we have along the way. And again, yoga offers this opportunity to just stop and just continually check in. Where am I in this? What's happening? Is this something that I still want? Or perhaps, you know, we have these, maybe we set these goals for ourselves that, you know, may not even be right for us, may not resonate with us anymore. Or you find that the process is the goal itself. It's a weird thing. Uh, do, do you know what I mean it's by that? It's always kind of elusive. Right? Do, do yeah, you know what I mean? Like, exactly. like all of a sudden you find yourself doing something with a means to another end and you're thinking, huh, I'm kind of enjoying what I'm doing right in this moment. Yes. Like whether or not I ever achieve the goal, I've attained the satisfaction in doing what I'm doing right now. You know, like it's. Well, it's all the things that we kind of build along the way, which is like right. learning about ourselves building more confidence, more self-assurance, you know, just proving to ourselves that we can do what we want. Absolutely. So let's let's touch upon the last part, yes. which you call surrender, honor, and gratitude. Yeah. What do you mean by that? And where does that take us? So honoring yourself for even, you know, stepping into something new that you want or, you know, just some personal evolution, I think is really important to just honor the process that like, this is what I'm doing. So you're gentle to yourself or with yourself and you're kind to yourself. So in those days we talked about where it's hard to do what we need to do, we can just say, okay, I'm going to get back on it tomorrow. Gratitude, being thankful for what's here, not always looking for what's missing. is really important. So puts us in more of an abundant state of mind rather than a mindset of scarcity and lack. Mm -hmm. And lastly is surrender. Surrendering how it's going to look, just doing the work to get there in terms of taking the action, showing up, but how it's going to unfold and how it's going to come into reality. There's so many other forces and factors at work that you have to let go. Yeah. And the more we can let go of how it's going to come and when it's going to come, then I think the less 
suffering that we do to ourselves as we are moving towards the goal. Kind of a, taking a moment to appreciate all the work that you're putting in, whether or not the goal gets exactly. done or not. It, it's like, hey, you tried and that's something, right? That's something. Yeah, absolutely. You're showing up for you, right? Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks to all my wonderful guests, Dr. Philip Rashadis, ND, Shauna Linzen, Tracy Sograti, and Sari Nisker-Fox. And thank you all for listening to The Tonic. You can listen or download this episode as a podcast with full show notes, contact information for our guests, and links at thetonic.ca. To find out more about the show, you can follow us at The Tonic Talk Show on Instagram or Facebook. For great articles written by Philip Rashadis, Sari Nisker-Fox, and other amazing health and wellness writers, be sure to pick up your copy of Tonic Magazine. Tonic's available free on racks at over 200 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in 11 choice neighborhoods in Toronto. Or you can visit our website at tonictoronto.com. If you're interested in providing feedback or suggesting topics for the show, you can email me at jamie at tonictoronto.com. Please join us next week on The Tonic when we'll discuss supplements for menopause, how to kick unwanted habits, decluttering 101, and how to overcome emotional eating. Until then, this is Jamie Busson wishing you a healthy and happy week. Please consult a healthcare professional before starting any diet, exercise, supplementation, or medication program. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.